Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and this is a program for people who want to learn more about our interior lives. And last week, we spoke with Dr. David Sitt about his new book, ADHD Refocused. He himself was diagnosed with ADHD later in life, and we have been talking about some of the behavioral problems associated with ADHD, some of the psychopharmaceutical solutions that are there. But this time, I want to focus on tools, given how difficult it is to sometimes get the right meds, given how many times people might not be able to have access to the right amount. These fallback tools seem more and more important. How did you come to the realization that you wanted to focus your book on providing those tools for people? This book was written from my lived experience, as well as from the experience that I've had counseling and providing coaching and guidance to countless clients over the years. And I have found that uh, the skills were crucial for my own life. I'll never forget when I, I went from, you know, a high dose of a stimulant medication, and then I started practicing yoga, and I started trying out meditation, and I started developing a mindfulness practice. By the way, I did none of those things daily or regularly, because that was really hard for me, but I did it enough in my life, and I was able to watch my brain chemistry shift. Hmm. And my medication levels down and these tools emerged. And I felt uh, after working with clients so many years that it was time to put it out there in this book. You know, I'm excited to be able to share them with our audience today. It's fascinating when you say to someone who has ADHD and has problems even sitting down and listening, we're going to ask you to develop a mindfulness practice. But the truth is, until someone can kind of settle in the body and be able to make contact with the breath, you're not going to get a lot done in the brain. Right. 100%. There is a paradox in this, obviously. Right. And I, and we joke about it all the time with my clients. And, you know, those of you listening today might be laughing. What you want me to sit and meditate for 20 minutes? Right. Um, I could barely uh, focus on, on, you know, my phone for more than a 60 second clip. So the reality is there's paradox. Yes. We have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And in order to redirect the Colorado River, which helped create the Grand Canyon, that's the way our brains work. Our brains get locked into certain pathways, neural pathways, and we need to try to move the flow somehow, some way. And it starts with just a tiny stick in the dirt, moving a little bit and then coming back and trying to move the next day's little a couple of inches of dirt and taking even two minutes a day mm-hmm. or starting with brushing your teeth. When you brush your teeth, make that the time where you focus on the experience of brushing your teeth, mm-hmm. notice the movement of the toothbrush, notice your gums, notice your, the, the flavor of the toothpaste. Take that as your meditation. That's mm-hmm. meditation. You know, yeah. I, I've often felt like part of the turnoff of even speaking about mindfulness and meditation is that people envision these rooms with candles and you have to sit cross-legged for an hour. And the truth is you can make big changes to your brain with just mindfulness training. Just I'm here with you right now. And I like those yellow books behind you, you know, like just being present in the moment activates my brain in a different way than if I were distracted. It's really interesting. It is exactly that. And I think uh, the first step that I always take with clients is education. Meditation is not sitting on the top of the mountain in, and floating in lotus position with nothing in your mind. Yeah. Right away, people say, what? Meditate? I got to clear my head. Are you, my ADD brain is never going to be cleared. And I say, that's one path of, it, of meditation. But others include the idea of watching that circus in your brain. Yeah. Watch, just watch it, notice it, label it, comment on it, 
and 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 bring yourself a lot of love and forgiveness if you get distracted in the process. That's a meditation practice in and of itself. The list you provided was really interesting because yoga not only provides mindfulness, but it also provides exertion and sweat, which you know is like really cleansing for the brain anyway. So you were probably getting rid of tons of inflammation and toxins. Uh-huh. And then the other things that you provided, it's so interesting to me how these all work in tandem, that the things you were doing were all contributing to your brain actually getting more relaxed in flow. Right. Right. And that's one of the modes. The mindfulness module is one area. The body is another area, right? Exercise, whether it be that 12 minutes of cardio a couple of times a week. I even tell people to do micro bursts of cardio. I tell them if yeah. you're feeling sluggish in the day, drop down and take, you know, take 10 push-ups or do a couple jumping jacks or just flap your arms like a bird. Yeah. That can oxygenate um, your bloodstream and bring some focus. So there's the mind, there's the body, uh, the emotions and trying to do some cognitive restructuring and understanding the emotional experience. That's very important. And then we have a lot of the behavioral oriented tools, the, 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 what to do to change, you know, the way you're engaging with your, your world, your environment, internal and external. So many new insights due to MRI imaging and being able to see which parts of the brain are too sleepy and which ones are overactivated in anxiety. What is happening in the brain of a person? Is it the neurotransmitters are just not signaling? There isn't enough dopamine to get them to signal correctly? Right. So there's a lot that we're learning about, and it's an ongoing, fascinating, constantly evolving knowledge base when it comes to the uh, the neurochemistry, the biological implications of ADHD. We know very much that the frontal lobe of the brain this is the re- region kind of like by your, your forehead is where the executive functions reside or kind yeah. of operate out of. And we know that there are under firings in terms of dopamine, uh, dopaminergic uh, neurotransmitters. We know that there are different sizes, you know, parts of the brain that are shaped differently or small or larger. There, there's a whole under the hood set of variables at play. And we are learning more and more about these arenas. It is just fascinating how hard it is to keep up with, with what we're learning. Are you recommending any apps for people with ADHD that you find particularly helpful? Yes. Well, there's one app that I, I'm biased in recommending because I love it. And I, I've been doing some clinical advisement and helped design this app called Agave. Agave, it's a coaching, adult ADHD coaching app that has cognitive behavior therapy modules that I I wrote. And then we have live coaches that you can have one-on-one time with with trained ADHD coaches um, that we oversee. And there's a community element to it where you can interact with others in the ADHD community. And now we're rolling out body doubling. That's another app that I also love called Focus Mates. You sign up for a body double. So just the same way you and I, Sheila, are here chatting on video, you can sign up for a buddy anywhere in the world for a you know, set period of time, and they may be um, vacuuming their, you know, or doing the dishes, and you're writing your dissertation, but you're doing it together. Oh, that's so beautiful. Together, it holds the space so that I, I, there's an accountability to that experience, and I used it to get my book done. I used to get these sessions, and I would sit and write. Oh, my gosh. Chapter. This is so brilliant. I've never thought about this because in some ways it's why, as I'm also a writer, it's why I always work better with a collaborator because they're holding me accountable for my pages. Even if it was just that person is there saying, how'd you do at the end of it? You're like, you're accountable. That's amazing. That is an amazing idea. Yeah. I love this. I love Focus Mate. When it came out, I was 
blown away. I found it during COVID and I, I, I just love it. Oh my it. gosh. I'm going to suggest that also to a lot of friends whose kids have trouble doing their homework at home. What an amazing idea just to have somebody in the room with you, right? The term body doubling emerged to explain why it works so well. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. Oh, I'm writing these down and we'll definitely keep these in our show liner notes. I want to talk a little bit about the role that self-compassion plays in all of this, because I think people with ADHD can be super hard on themselves. Indeed. Indeed. We, we have an experience called um, rejection sensitivity dysphoria. It's a term not found in the DSM. It is a term that, um, you know, those of you who might uh, subscribe out there to Attitude Magazine, anyone in the ADHD community should definitely know about this um, resource, Attitude Magazine. Uh, they talk about a lot rejection sensitivity. It's this experience that when I get rejected, I'm very sensitive to that. And mm -hmm. I get very depressed. I get dysphoric or depressed about that. And what we need to do, it's very important to bring a lot of that self-love and self-hugs and compassion, whether it be because I, I struggle with rejection or whether it be because I bring such high expectations on myself. I have a rule in my book that I talk about that 80 is the new 100. I don't expect 100% of myself or any of my clients ever. I move the marker to 80% as the A+. Plus. And if that's the A+, plus, then 60 is the B+. Plus. And that's okay. We yeah. need to give ourselves a lot of flex because like I said, the lights are going to go down every night and we need a lot of love to be able to get back to the board and put the effort in. So I've actually watched my own brain. I have that um, observing thing that you do because I want to try to get the most out of my brain as I possibly can. And I, I watch it like for the first 10 minutes on TikTok and I'm enjoying my feed. And then I watch this thing happen where if I stay and I keep in that, you know, short clips, just thumbing, zoning out, but still needing that little dopamine surge, I get really irritable. So what is this doing to a person who has clinical levels of ADHD? The relationship with technology for the neuroatypical person, the neurodivergent individual is paramount. It's so important to create that awareness of the relationship. In my book, I talk about something called that I've labeled techno ADD. Techno ADD is akin, it's a cousin to the ADHD brain that kind of develops because of our deep infusion into technology these days, which again, 20 years ago didn't exist. And our rates of ADHD 20 years ago were not what they are today. There must be a correlation there. Most definitely the experience of those dopamine moments and the uh, stimulation level when we go off of it, first of all, it's very hard for uh, um, a neurodivergent person to pull away from that stimulation. Yeah. And when they do, the crash is heavy, especially with kids. You pull yeah. an iPad away from a kid who's been on it or has ADHD, they are going to crash. Yeah. And they get very emotional and agitated and adults as well. That relationship and awareness is, is, is crucial, Sheila, crucial. Do you think it's a good idea for people to monitor, set a timer for yourself, or at least be aware of your moods as you're doing your social media feed so that you know what's happening with your brain? Or do you just say, look, give yourself a half an hour a day, max, don't go on it after that? So I think that our audience, as we're listening here today, right, all of you out there listening to this, it's up to you to make up your mind about that, right? And you need to know that you have choices. One choice you might decide to make is, the limit, I'm going to put a limit an hour a day, 30 minutes a day. My, my wife does that. I've never once, 
I love her. I love you, Ayla, Dr. Ayla Sit. She's the best. She's also a clinical psychologist who specializes in anxiety and and, and Oh my health. gosh. Well, we'll have to have her on the show as she's well. She's a rock, she's a rock star. Oh, I love that. Level. Yeah. Um, but but I'll watch her, you know, ignore ignore the limit. So that's it may work. Maybe um it takes a lot of control. But mm. I believe in developing a, a awareness of what's happening as it's happening. And we need to do work on creating boundaries. So I start with things like take your phone and don't charge it next to your bed. Buy this old fashioned thing called a clock and put it in your room to tell time or an alarm clock if you need that feature. But put your phone out of the room at night. Don't wake up first thing in the morning and, and, and cuddle with your phone in bed. Don't go to bed at night. with the, You've got to create that separation. Having dinner with your friends or with your spouse or with your kids. Think about putting your phone in a drawer, put it in a box, because if it's just on the table, that's no good. You're signaling to people that the phone is part of the important, and you know, you know what's going to happen. You're going to look at it. You're going to check it. Totally. So we need to try to work on boundaries, and each one of us needs to experiment and explore how to go about that. I just always think about how, I don't know if you've seen the um, show on Netflix, Leave the World Behind, when there's a huge cyber attack and none of us have any access to any of our things not just the ADHD withdrawal, the psychological impact of not being able to constantly do a behavior again and again to self-reassure. Like we're going to be basket cases. Or we are going to be lovely bliss. I've tried this. I've been celibate. Have you? Really? I've gone celibate. I've gone without my cell phone. It happened because it got left in a New York City taxi cab as I was going to a yoga class and my phone disappeared on me. It heard me complain about it and it said, I'm out of here. Oh my Stop. God, I love that. And I and I went celibate and I went without a phone for, I think, two or three months. And then I, I went to a, just a flip phone and it was liberating. And my students at the university where I teach, we go on to these challenges and people will tell me, all right, I'll delete X, you know, Twitter, formerly known as, I'll delete okay. um, uh, Instagram and let's check in with each other inevitably everyone will say i feel better right That's amazing so it's one thing to, to slow yourself down it's nothing to just take a break altogether you can always download it again try it out this made me very nervous just to think exactly it. exactly and by the way big tech big tech knows what it's doing that's right uh, there, oh sure there's they a reason do. why there, there's lawsuits unfortunately now against big tech because they know what they're doing they're out they're out for our attention our yeah. eyeballs so have you had good success with other clients who have used your toolbox and some of the techniques you're talking about in your book yes most definitely i'm very fortunate that the work that i've been developing over the years works and that my clients take well to it. I have a whole system called the three-tier system, which helps you manage the flow of your responsibilities and your tasks and how to kind of funnel them down from large level by categories, everything that I got to figure out in my seven or eight categories of my life, finances, work, family, uh, travel, whatever those responsibilities are on the top of a page by category. And then the second level is bring them down to days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, mm -hmm. Friday. How do I funnel down from the top level to today? And then even further, how do I move what I'm going to do today through an hour by hour flow? So it's a funnel down three tiered system. It's the first tool that I teach every client and you'll use it until you don't. And yeah. then when you don't, You'll forgive yourself and give yourself a lot of love and hopefully you'll come back to it soon enough. And that's okay. And so those tools are valued. The way I teach meditation and mindfulness is, you know, my clients really take to because it's ADD oriented. The way yeah. I teach 
I can't wait to get the physical copy of it. It's called ADHD Refocus, Bringing Clarity to the Chaos. And we've been talking with Dr. David Sitt. Dr. David, I really enjoyed this. I hope you'll come back and please ask your wife if she'll join us as well. I will most definitely. And if anyone would like to speak to me directly on my website, drsit.com, you can schedule a free 15 minute consultation. We can talk about whatever. Usually it's about ADHD, but you can call me. We could chat and see if I could be of further help um, to you and your, and your loved ones in your life.